Hello, this is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. Does anybody really know a bazillion ghost stories? But then again, aren't all stories set in the past ghost stories? Morning, folks. We're going to get straight into the shit with this one. I've been reading a book which I think everyone should read. It's called Flush by Brian Nelson. With, that's Brian with a B-R-Y-N-A-N, uh, Nelson, Ph.D., uh, and he has written a very approachable book about our gut biome. In other words, the stuff in our guts, our poop, our shit, whatever you want to call it, and how uh, we in the West are losing ours because of all the antibiotics, and we don't eat enough fiber. He also has an interesting business about how so many of our immune system problems, especially when our body attacks itself, is caused by not having any parasites because we've uh, reset or re-evolved our immune system to operate even though the parasites are in our gut turning the immune system down. So when you lose all your parasites, your body attacks itself. But it's got an interesting uh, story about how the best way to track the COVID virus was done in Tacoma, Washington, and in Spain, in Valencia, uh, where they tracked the shed virus, live virus, not the um, broken pieces of vaccine that the goofballs at QAnon talk about, but the real live virus. Uh, you can track it to the exact person by checking the sewers. What goes in uh, goes out, and it's a book I really think everybody should read for their own health, for other people's health. Because our gut bacteria are in a lot of trouble in the West, and that's why more and more and more people are getting sick, because you don't have all those thousands of people in there making your body work. Um, this is why I have almost jokingly decided that my pronoun is the royal we. We and us, because uh, ain't no animal or plant on this planet that does not have bajillions of extra bodies living in it, either as straight parasites or parasites that have learn to live in the body without hurting the host or even become part of the host, which is probably where we all started. Let's face it, uh, when you look at the egg and the sperm, the sperm's obviously originally a virus. Uh, mitochondria were a virus. And learning to live and get along with each other and cooperate is how this all operates. And we've got this attitude that everything else has been needs to be killed. I probably should... Uh, contact Mr. Nelson and tell him about my weird little question about, did we somehow get invaded by a brain bacteria that needs to kill everything around us because all the other species can live with each other without wiping each other out? Uh, why is it we have an instinctive need to murder everybody around us like the indigenous form of hellebore and the cedar tree? Uh, they, just, they just need to wipe things out, although they don't wipe out entire biomes. We do. There's something wrong there. We need a reset. Anyway, go read Flush by Brian Nelson, Ph.D. It's, um, it's a little complicated in places, but it's really, really, uh, it's not basic science or high school science. This is another step up into, you know, real science because uh, high school science is wrong because it's so simplified because kids can't get it. Um, their brains aren't fully developed yet. 
But go get it and read it, and you'll see that especially if you're having problem with your immune system or um, problems with your gut in general or your bodily health, everything from al allergies to asthma, take a look-see if uh, uh, maybe uh, straightening out your gut might not help you, you a little bit, especially after you've had some antibiotics because uh, that just messes up the whole thing. So um, happy pooping. Well, after that appetizing intro, uh, I'm going to talk about fry bread, which is a much tastier thing and ends up the other end anyway. Uh, I told you about Where's the Fry Bread, that nice little uh, indigenous restaurant down in Forks, Washington. And uh, I was thinking about the fry bread, and they do have kind of a vegan option. They've got the fry bread with jam, and yes, we know sugar has got gelatin in it, but you know, if you're an attempted vegan, it's the closest you can get, and their fries are absolutely fantastic. And I don't know if they fry them in the same oil they fry any oil in, because uh, they fry any of the meat in, because it just doesn't taste like it. It's got a very fresh flavor. So I was thinking about fry bread, and I know we've always got this business about we took away the foods of the indigenous and we gave them flour, sugar, and lard. But I was, I was thinking about, you know, eating the fry bread and the fry bread tastes an awful lot like what my mom made. And we are, uh, you know, Prussian Germans someplace back there. And we had a thing we ate called tangle britches. It was the only form of fry bread that mom made. And it was basically just like your best fluffy Pacific Northwest uh, indigenous fry bread because they do do the fluffy form and not very big unless you go back in the uh, in town up in Nia Bay during one of the uh, Maca days and somebody's serving monsters you know a foot across which I highly recommend especially if they're an Indian taco you know with all the Mexican stuff on board those are amazing but she would make this thing and it was called tangle britches and it was like what why would you call it that and she'd just take a lump of the fry bread. She wouldn't form it or anything. She'd take it as a glob and drop it in. And what would happen is this thing would turn into Sputnik. Uh, all these little crispy bits would fry around the edges. So you had a nice piece of tender fry bread. And then you had crispy, crunchy things all around it. You'd flip it open and put, you know, margarine and jam on it. We didn't have butter. I didn't know what butter tasted like. It's why I like margarine better to this day. But that was tangle britches, and if you look at the word, britches uh, invariably is a transliteration in English of britchen, which means um, small buns. Uh, so, and it probably means something like dangly pieces of bread. And I am the only internet reference to it. Anybody else has got it goes back to my reference. Uh, I'm thinking this is a family recipe that only got passed down to me. Or the only one that paid attention to it, because mom, to keep me out of the kitchen, uh, when I was a little kid, always wanted to get underfoot, she pulled out the breadboard and made me sit on the other side of the breadboard on a chair so I could watch. She didn't tell me how to cook. She just she just did it. But she would do these things, and I'd say, you know, what are these called? She says, tangle britches. This is what grandma made. So her, uh, her I, actually, Irish grandmother, I think, made it. Or was it? Well, she would have had a German grandmother, too. It would have been the German grandmother. I don't know their names or anything. I never met them. Um, our family always moves 100 miles to the west because we can't stand each other. Uh, <laughs> well, it stops inbreeding, I'll tell you that much. Um, that's one thing you can say about me is I'm not inbred. Uh, but anyway, these tangle britches. So I told them um, one of the, uh, the nice little waitress they got down there who's just the most polite little thing, and she just works her little butt off. It's wonderful. I told her about this, and she said it sounded wonderful. 
but to get back to what I was saying about Germans and fry bread, um, Germans love bread and they love uh, fat and they love sugar. So I know it might have seemed like they were doing a bad thing. It is a bad thing that they replace the basic hunter-gatherer diet, which is our basic natural diet, and the one we should be eating. They replaced it with these terribly refined foods, which at the time, I wonder if that was even white flour. I wonder if that wasn't just, you know, whole wheat at the time, unless everybody was doing white flour. But white flour, white sugar, and lard um, are historic, historically luxury items for the Germans. So somebody thought the best thing they could do for the indigenous without paying any attention to what they actually ate uh, was to give them back what they thought of as luxury foods. And I think we all have the attitude toward fried bread that it is kind of a luxury food. It's very delicious and it's very bad for you. And that's why we limit fried bread uh, eating up here anyway to um, going to festivals and things. So you don't see a whole lot of fried bread eating outside that. You go to go to a restaurant for it. You know, who's got, who's got all these deep fryers all the time? Um, everybody sets up deep frying for the festivals. I don't know how much actual fry bread eating is going on inside houses where you can go get it cheap at Pat's up at Nia Bay. They've got wonderful fry bread. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to fire up your heater. You just go down there and buy one. Um, and they're amazing and they're gorgeous. And you can get them at all at all the days, quilly days, all the rest of them. And uh, they are based very much in, well, like in the Southwest, the fry bread is much more done with blue corn, things like that. And uh, it is it is a fine thing, but, you know, it was, it was misguided giving a hunter-gatherer people who would go into diabetes because they weren't eating this stuff. Um, and my attitude is diabetes is something that humans and pigs have naturally so that we can get through the winter eating our fat. And if you dump a bunch of refined food into it, it's going to wreck the whole balance. Um, so I know, I know it was good intentions, but you know what the road to hell is paid for. And if you get to Forks, go to Where's the Fry Bread and get yourself some fry bread. Oh, and don't get the fried fish. Let me tell you something, and this is, I'm sorry, but fried fish originally, the way we eat it for fish and chips came from Jews going to Great Britain. They were bringing the fried fish of the Jordan River. They found cod and skate wings, things like that, that, oh, they fried up just gorgeous. Don't get the, um, don't get the halibut. Ask them if they deep fry the salmon. Don't do that because the indigenous, and I'm just going to say this, they should be serving these fish the way they ate them. I don't know, steamed, baked, uh, baked on a grill, stick fish, which is putting the fish up on a stick uh, at a slant over an open fire pit. It's amazing. It doesn't smoke them. It just makes them tender and perfect. And be sure to get the skins if you ever go to one of those days because the skin is the best part. It's greasy and fatty and delicious. <laughs> it was so beautifully with the potatoes and the blanket bread, which is kind of their version of biscuits, uh, kind of a cross between bread and biscuits, if you can imagine anything better. But don't don't get the fried fish. Ask them if they if they uh, deep fry the salmon. I had, I tried the halibut. It's just little dry balls because that's not how you're supposed to fix halibut. Uh, these these Pacific Northwest fish they don't go well with deep frying. So look for stick fish, or uh, I'm going to ask them if they can bake them or something like that. So, but their uh, their res burger is amazing. I haven't tried the Indian tacos. I've had just 
uh, fry bread and jam is perfectly fine, especially if you're vegan. It's gorgeous. Uh, and then go get some apples and celery or something across the street at the, th at the thrift place so you get some fiber in there. So this has been your fry bread mo moment. Yay! If I'm a little out of breath, I've been out working in the garden and picking cherries and getting things done. So this, I swear, is just becoming a commentary on And That's Why We Drink, the podcast. And they have lister tales, and they always have these amazing stories that people who write in who, you know, had dinner with the Unabomber or had their drinks bought by Dr. Brown, you know, Emmett Brown, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Just little things that happen in everybody's life. Almost get killed by the Golden State Killer who gave him a ride. Um, and they just talk back to him and they he left him alone. But this one is about somebody who's got a fascinating family. Let me just say that her grandmother um, started the first flying school in, I believe it was Cincinnati? I'm not sure. But she flew with Amelia Earhart. So... Uh, she's passed on, and they were suggesting you should get a Ouija board and ask her where the hell is Amelia. But they were talking about the grandfather, who was evidently one of the physicians at the original case that would later be written up as the movie The Exorcist. The original case was a young boy. Now, we all know about the girl that's screaming and yelling and her head's throwing out, turning around, she's throwing up. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't what was going on with the boy. He was having all kinds of strange symptoms that they could not place, you know, convulsions and odd coughing, and they didn't know what was wrong with him. But when the priest walked into the room, the kid lost it. He tried to get the priest away from him. He was screaming. He uh, was talking in a deep voice, acting up, doing everything he could think of. And so they figured it was demonic possession, of course. And, of course, you and I right now, hearing about this young boy, priest walks in, you and I, both know what was going on here. That kid was raped, and he didn't want no priests near him. And I wonder how many of these so-called demonic possessions, uh, when kids, or even adults, scream when they see a priest, that ain't demons. That's a prick going in where it don't belong. And his smaller head. Here's another reference to that uh, BBC series, SSGB. Um, it is one of the few films or television shows that showed even close to how much smoking was going on <laughs> all the time. Uh, this I remember it in the 60s, and it only began to fade in the 70s, but you go to a movie theater, the air was blue. People smoked in the hospital. My dad smoked in the hospital on oxygen. And when we asked if that was a good idea, the doctor said, oh, he ain't got no lungs anyway. It's not going to hurt him now. Of course, he's sitting up in bed, you know, smoking and joking with the nurses. That was, I mean, you know, all of us from, from that era, the kids, the kids all have lung damage. Because everybody sucked on cigarettes all the time. My mother didn't, but she was an oddball. She also never had beer except for a half a beer if her stomach was upset. It just, it just wasn't addictive. But 
that's all anybody ever did. And SSGB, you notice they're just, you know, smoking all the time. And Lars Eidinger, when he gets done with his cigarette, he just dumps his butt on the ground. Um, because, you know, smokers, they're genetically unable to pick the butts up or find someplace to put them. You know, they've got them in their hand and they're going, oh, we're going to do this. I don't know. Uh, I was in Hawaii once on a scenic overlook. And right at the overlook, there was layers of cigarette butts. And literally five steps to the right around the corner was a garbage can. That's all it took. They don't know what to do with them. I don't know. You get the smoke gets in your head and you are physically unable to get the butt into a garbage can. It's ridiculous. It's, it seems to be just genetic or something, but SSGB, uh, that even didn't, that didn't even come close. They smoked all the time, every day. Uh, it's like in Shakespeare in love. Uh, the uh, rich guy saying that he thinks there might be a future in tobacco. But, uh, yeah, that's all he ever did. They got it right, kind of, you know, Brother Where Art Thou. They show, you, they show that really smoky theater, but they smoked all the time. Three years old, I remember my dad with a cigarette in his mouth burning me. Yeah, I remember that moment. So, uh, yeah, if you ever think that people smoke too much now or you're bitching about people having a little pot on the streets in Seattle, you got no idea. Just say thank you. Poof. I've mentioned more than once on here that I have brain damage. I got hit I hit myself in the head uh, with an axe when I was a kid and I was just a little I was like 7. And I knew it was brain damage. I knew that anything I was seeing, I knew any ghosts I saw or harpies or living skeletons I had tea with or whatever, I knew it was the brain damage. And I'm thinking, why am I so smart that I know that? That I know that if you get dropped on your head, you can turn into a serial killer or, or become a religious maniac because you can see stuff. How did I know it was just in my head? And I figured that out the other day. I was really nearsighted a kid as a kid. Okay, they didn't have a vaccine for German measles or rubella back then. All right, I got rubella. So, of course, I'm blind as a bat. I can't see anything. Uh, and I would go through life not knowing that everybody else saw better than I did. I couldn't understand why people would be talking about things in the distance and I couldn't see them. I thought, were they making that up? And so when I couldn't see things my brain would kind of fill in the facts. Uh, kind of like, you know, why people see shapeshifters because they can't see things at a distance, so their brains fill in facts. Uh, they fill in, you know, that's not people, those are herons. Or, that's not herons, those are people. And they seem like they switch back and forth. It's just that your brain is trying to say, you know, I've got some information here. Can you do something with it? So, I, that, I think that's why, uh, later on, when I got brain damage, my uh, first reaction to it was not that it was out there and then it was coming into me. Uh, I already knew from what I experienced back before I got my glasses that your brain builds things to make things workable to itself, even though it can't see it. It's like being in the dark. You think you hear things. Your brain is desperately trying to get messages to you. So I wasn't any smarter than any kids back there. I didn't have a deeper scientific knowledge, even though uh, it was kind of known that, you know, you get hit in the head and things go wrong with you. 
but that's that's why uh, I automatically knew that this was in my own head and it wasn't out there because I had spent so long not being able to see anything and making shit up that I knew it again when it came along. So I wasn't that smart. I just had been there, done that. Would you like to be part of this podcast? You can go to anchor.fm slash Donna-Bar and you can leave me a voice message with your story that can become part of this podcast. If you would rather have me read it, send a PDF or PDFA, double-spaced, larger type to DonnaBar01 at gmail.com. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash DonnaBar. And finally, if you would like to know anything about what I've done in my life that has to do with my work, conventions, etc., go to DonnaBar.com. Hope to see you there. I will also put all this information in the program notes. A spooky...